Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome into another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Judd, um, I would ask how you are doing, but after a 7-2 to drubbing, I think I know you're not in great shape with the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, and I watched the entire thing, and of course that is uh, not just last night, but that is now 13 goals against in the past two games. So besides that, they're doing peachy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a little bit of a rough run. We thought that they were getting things back together, but I think you and I talked about in our last episode that even though they had had a good stretch, they had relied during that stretch on Jason Zucker to score every single goal and for their goalies to pitch shutouts on a nightly basis, which those two things were not going to sustain. So now, mm-hmm. Judd, I've gone back to work on trying to solve problems for this team because I put that on hold when they had their, yes, I did. So I've come up with solutions for one week from now, one month from now, and one year from now. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to run those by you and then you can give me your analysis starting with from one week from now. I believe what Bruce Boudreaux has to do with this team is stack up his top six. And then anytime the bottom six are on the ice, just try to hold on for dear life. So that means all of your best players in the top six, not Daniel Winnick on the first line or not Tyler Ennis on the second line, not messing around with bad players that are going to drag down your top guys, stacking them up, sticking with Granlin, Koivu, Zucker, and then having Eric Stahl, Nino Niederreiter, and Charlie Coyle and playing them as much as possible. And then when those guys are off the ice, you just sort of shrug your shoulders and hope that you don't get scored against. That is my one week from now solution. And I do think that Devin Dubnik will kind of eventually start to get it back together because that's the goalie that he's been. But that, at least for the forward group, that is my short-term solution. Okay. uh, The the flaw with, with that, I see what you're saying. My flaw with that strategy is this. A lot of teams now go nine deep. So I don't know if you can, because you're, you're right. I mean, you get past that top six and it gets weak. My problem is um, not so much fourth lines, but third lines. Mm-hmm. Because can, can, you, can you consistently, with the way that this league has gone now, and with lots of teams being nine deep, can your third line match up consistently against third lines to where they can cancel each other out, or are you going to be in a situation where as long as your line is struggling, you're in rough shape? And then, of course, the the other problem becomes this. Your fourth line last night, the Cullen line, in the first period was actually pretty good. And then after that, it couldn't stop a soul. Mm-hmm. It, w- it went from being serviceable 
to being liability completely. Uh, so I see where you're coming from, Collar. I guess my question would be, do you have the confidence that you could get enough from lines three and four if you're Boudreaux to cancel out the potential production uh, from your opponent? Well, I, I would say this, that you are en- going to end up getting your face beat in if you have a third line of just whoever is left as opposed mm-hmm. to stacking up the top two. But I think mm-hmm. that the difference I think the difference would be better from what you get from those top two that you can actually match up with opponents' top two lines and then you can try to just play conservatively, hold on for dear life. I mean the the depth of this group, as we've talked about before, really took a big shot by having Eric Howla and Jason Pominville go and replacing them with Marcus Felino and Tyler Ennis who have barely produced anything for this team. And as we discussed before, Ennis is basically playing at an AHL level right now. And so you can't run him out there for too many minutes. Maybe he's got to be on the fourth line. But to me, that's the only way to survive because you don't have players who are good enough to drag up bad players or or younger, inexperienced players. Think about with Pittsburgh and what they do and how Pittsburgh has routinely over the last two years put guys like Jake Gensel and Connor Sheary along with Sidney Crosby because they're young. They've got enough skill. They're not great players. They've got enough skill to just score when he hands it to them on a gold platter. The the Minnesota wild do not have that player. You've got to have all three guys playing well together. And if you have at least two lines doing that, maybe you've got a chance rather than spreading out the talent. Okay. Okay. You just, uh, you just brought up a point about something Pittsburgh does that the Wild is not doing actually on defense that at some point in time I want to address. It's, it's, it's driving me crazy. Continue to go through your, your list, but let's get back to something the Penguins are doing with a veteran superstar-type player that this team refuses to do. Well, okay, so that was part two for how to fix them Actually, I was getting, I was going to include this in a month from now, but I'll just tell it to you anyway. Is mm-hmm. try to find someone on the trade market from a team that's falling apart who can play any sort of defensive hockey in the National Hockey League as a defenseman. Someone who is capable of filling in at a position on the third pair or can move up a little bit on the trade market for cheap. I know their cap situation is a mess. But when we make that Pittsburgh comparison, when they turned things around, it looked about as dire as it was going to be for them. They looked like their window was over. Mm -hmm. Trading for Trevor Daly, not a big star player, but he came in and was able to just play a role for them and then step up when they needed him. They really need this guy. And that player might be out there. I saw that Ian Cole in Pittsburgh, another, another guy they brought in, I saw that he was benched. And I wonder if that would be someone you could swing for, except somehow you got to make room for his two point five million. Yeah, I they um, they the the problem here, and you actually broached this month months ago, collar is this: the Scandella trade now is awful. It's not sort of bad. It's not a little bit bad. It's an awful trade. You traded away. Uh, for cap purposes, so I get that. But you traded away a reliable, not a star, but a reliable defenseman who you could pretty much count on on a nightly basis who would screw up on occasion, but for the most part was solid. You traded them away for two forwards who are giving you almost nothing. 
And I don't care what you say about, well, Felino, look at the job he does along the boards, and he's a gritty player, and he's a tough player. Ennis and Felino, for the most part, give you nothing, and you traded away a reliable defenseman, and guess what? You haven't come close to replacing him, not even close. Well, yeah, and, and that's the issue is, you know, they've hung on to Mike Riley hoping that he would get better, and, you know, those college guys usually don't. They come out and they kind of are what they are pretty quick. You know, within, mm-hmm. the, within the first year or two, that's what you have. The guy's either going to be a great player uh, out of college or he's just going to be another body. And in this case, he's just another body. And, and i got to say, like, Kyle Quincy, I understand it. I understand that you don't have a lot of money to spend. But just getting a guy because he's got experience, when nothing would suggest that he was a good player for quite a long time, really mm-hmm. is not the greatest plan. Defensemen are hard to find, so I understand that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there that somebody like Cody Franson, who's not a great player, trust me, he's not a great player, but he's an experienced player who can move the puck a little bit, and he's mm-hmm. got some size, and he can fill in on your power play, and he's always been a really uh, positive possession player, always on the right side of the puck. You know, Someone like that, I think, was on a PTO, in Chicago, like I'd rather have him a million times over Kyle Quincy. Maybe the hockey people would disagree with me on that, but at least he can fill in and bring you something as opposed to just being a human body skating around out there. So I think that really what you're touching on is, and we've talked about before, is the offseason for this team. I think we undervalued how bad it really was. I mean, I never liked that trade with Scandella and Pominville for uh, Felino and Ennis, but yep. I, not only that, but you know, losing Eric Howla, I don't think we appreciated how big of a hit that that would be either. And then not finding another guy who might be able to fill in on this defense when one guy goes down, it's just a catastrophe. In in defense of Fletcher, I will say this: I thought Dumbo would take a step, and he's taking a step backwards. I mean, he is he's got talent, and I will go back to what we've talked about several times, which is he has the ability to move the puck. He has offensive talent. That being said, he is not a smart player. He is he is a reactionary, um, drive-you-crazy player. I mean, honest to God, Collar, it's a small thing, but what person in their right mind stands on the bench at the end of the first period and squirts the water <laughs> bottle at an opponent with the Man. official looking at you? How stupid is that? I mean, you just gave up a power play, which, by the way, you know you're going to get caught. That is that is unbelievably dumb, and so I was all for uh, uh, trying to keep Dumbo from being taken in the expansion draft. That being said, I am disappointed. And to your Quincy point, Kyle Quincy the last two games has been pretty much unplayable. And don't forget, you called up Ryan Murphy last night uh, from the AHL. Not at that time, I think thinking that Spurgeon would play. You're basically desperate now. You yeah. are trying to fill people in. Where you used to have, I would say, four deep, you are now you now have three guys basically, and and the the luxury that you thought that you had at defense is long gone. But Matthew Dumba's lack of progress to me is driving me absolutely crazy because there's no excuse for a first round pick this far into his career to still make this many stupid mistakes. Well, let me throw something at you from last year with the analytics on Matt Dumba. 
when he was playing with Marco Scandella, 524 minutes last year, they outshot opponents 264 to 250. So 51% on your shots for and outscored opponents 28 to 20. When they were playing with Jonas Brodeen, they were outshot 164 to 151. They did still outscore their opponents 16 to 13, but better results when playing with the guy that they traded away. And there was kind of a fit there. I think Scandella sacrificed some of his own offense uh, to play the smart game. But the thing, the difference with Scandella and with Brodeen is that Scandella can play the puck. And Brodeen is just not a guy who's really a puck mover. He's basically a pure defensive guy where Scandella, I see, is someone who could make a long pass or can race the puck up the ice if you give him an opportunity, or he could play a more simple game. And I kind of liked Scandella more than I liked Brodeen, though I thought (laughs) Brodeen had a very good year last year under Boudreaux, so maybe he'll just keep playing well. I was always leaning in the Scandella way, and... You know, now it kind of looks like maybe Dumbo was a better fit with Scandella. And that doesn't excuse what he did last night. I mean, that's just embarrassing. I mean, right, with, stupid. With the, I mean, it's just pointless. And there's yes. been turnovers that just drive me crazy. And I think I may have texted you. I don't think I said it on our podcast, but I texted you the other night against Buffalo when they had a lead and a two goal lead late in the game. And mm-hmm. Dumba tries a pass from basically near his own goal all the way up the center of the ice to to center ice and it gets picked off and turns into a scoring chance like you can't make that play at that point up by two goals in the third period and just yes it's gonna drive you nuts but i would continue to defend him uh just based on the fact that i think those offensive players are more valuable and harder to replace but he's making it harder on us to continue to defend him. Friday against the Avs, he actually made, I believe he was in his own corner, and he made a pass that he wanted to go, and I'm not kidding you, in front of his own goal. It essentially went on net, and the save had to be made, and he just sort of shrugged and smiled. Like, oh, shouldn't have tried that. What What are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? All right. So, so here, here's my solution, Okay. Boudreaux tried this in training camp, and it's driving me crazy that they don't do it, and I don't care how this guy feels about this move. The solution is this. In training camp, the plan was to put Suter and Dumba together. Yeah. Left shot, right shot. Ryan Suter, however, insists on playing with Spurgeon. And last night, when Spurgeon was out, they put him with Brodeen, which, by the way, is left shot, left shot. Why on God's green earth? Wouldn't you, if you were, if you were the Wild, go to Ryan and say, Ryan, we don't care what you want. What we need to do is we need to stabilize these defensive pairings. You and Dumba together are going to give us a better chance of stability than Dumba and Brodeen or Dumba or or I love when they have poor Gustav Olafson play with Riley. Two guys who are running around peeing their breezers, right? <laughs> Why? No, I'm dead serious. Yeah, no, you're right. You're not. Can wrong. you give me any reason? Now, I was told that Suter played with Dumbin training camp and said, yeah, this isn't going to work for me. I don't care what's going to work for you. I don't give a damn. I'm paying you million. I'm giving a 13 year contract. You're going to do what I tell you to do. You're going to you're going to play with Matt Dumba uh, starting against Vegas on Thursday. And from here on out. And when Spurgeon comes back from his illness or injury or whatever's wrong, 
Spurgeon's going to play with somebody else to provide stability because mm-hmm. he is stable. I don't understand why you're playing Suter and Spurgeon or or what makes no sense whatsoever is left shot, left shot, Suter and Brodeen together because that's what Ryan wants. I don't care what you want. I need to I need to stabilize the blue line. And right now, after I get past about two or three defensemen, the stability is gone. You know, something about that's uh, my rant. Jared Spurgeon is I think Jared Spurgeon makes everyone better no matter who it is. I think Spurgeon is that yeah. player we were talking about where if you put Spurgeon, I don't know the left shot, right shot with Kyle Quincy, but if, if you put him with Kyle Quincy and just ask Kyle Quincy to stay where he is and protect the net and don't do anything else, don't take any risks, Kyle Quincy, I think Spurgeon still makes that a good pair. And, I, you know, I've seen this happen, and I'm not saying that Jared Spurgeon is Drew Doughty, but if you look at Drew Doughty's history, he's played with a number of different guys, and every uh-huh. one of them s- turns into a megastar just like that with their numbers, and it's because Doughty carries the puck the whole game, and mm-hmm. they basically just have to pass it back to him <laughs> if, if it comes to them. And I think Spurgeon isn't Doughty, but he's that type of player who can really control a game. And I think, that, I think from where you're talking about with that, you know, last year when they had the defensive depth, and at times Brodeen is a third pair guy and or Scandella, whichever, you know, they were kind of mixing and matching. You sure. feel like you're in great shape because if Brodeen is with someone who's not that good, well, that's okay. He's going to make up for that on a third pair or the same thing with Scandella. But now uh, when you're just asking, okay, you've got this one great pair, but you're asking the other two to just kind of hang on for dear life or Brodeen and Dumba to get some chemistry and they haven't. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think in this case, where I want to stack the top six forwards, I would want to break up the defense. But if you've got a guy in the locker room with a big contract who's decided he's the coach of the team, well, that puts you in a really tough position because this is why you got Bruce Boudreaux was to to bring in credibility. But, you know, one thing I've found, I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, Judd, but with the football players, it seems like from covering football players all the time, they do what they're told, like to a T, and it's very rare. And you almost like it's a big thing, like when the Vikings last year for one <laughs> or two, uh, yep. a couple of plays when they went against their coach, it was like, what, what, what is going on here? This is crazy. This never happens. But in hockey, it seems like the amount of coaching that the players want to do all the time is really through the roof of maybe more than any other sport. I think it's because if if you're if you play hockey, you grow up with, with your parents basically saying, "Johnny, do this, do that. Mm. Here's what you should do. I'll talk to coach." Yeah, I, I I do. I think in football, I think in football, the parent mantra for the most part, I'm sure it's not across the board, but the parent mantra is listen to your coach because it's more of a there, there's more intricacy assumed in that game, right? Right. But to your point, though, you went. You fired Yosey, and you got Boudreaux based on the fact that you were getting a veteran coach who wasn't going to put up with this crap. Right. And I'm, so, but I, and I'm sorry, but when I see your top two defensemen paired every game, and as I said, you know, Olofsson and Riley running around there, basically afraid of their shadows. O- Olofsson in a game last week, I think, scored two own goals. Uh, Riley against the Abs, I think, on Friday looked completely lost. You say to yourself, why wouldn't you want to stabilize one of these two poor young guys with a guy who is at least self-assured and can say, it's okay. 
Why do you have them paired? And the only thing I can figure is you put yourself in a predicament where at least one of your defensemen is saying, I only want to play with this guy. And it makes no sense from a team standpoint. And, and what drives you crazy is this. If that's the mantra, then guess what? It's going to be the mantra of everybody, right? Because why the hell yeah. would, would you say, if, if you deem yourself to be a top player, you're not going to say, oh, you know what? That's okay. Ryan should do what Ryan wants. And meanwhile, I'll, I, I will sell out for the team. You're going to say, give me mine too. And defensively, I just don't get it. Defensively, I think if you split these guys up and you, and you have Spurgeon, as you just said, with somebody younger, Suter as well, you're going to provide yourself a lot better defense. And your goaltending has, has certainly been questionable at times, but this also has a big, big thing to do, I think, with defensive plays and defensive breakdowns. Yep, yep. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't give up uh, seven goals just because. Although, you know, one is an own goal. So, <laughs> so yeah, well, you've that's... given up, Collar, 30 goals in the past seven games. Yeah, yeah. That, so you're giving up four and a half per game now. And I don't think, and now there have been some goals from Devin Dubnik where I'd say he would regret them. The one where Jordan, sure. Jordan Nolan just throws it from nowhere and it goes in the net, that's stunning. But, I mean, otherwise, I think that the, the defensive performance of the entire team has impacted their goalie too, and you wonder about where his confidence will go because of that. So now one year from now, mm-hmm. I you you look at where this team has been. It's just the eighth place sort of thing, and uh, they really missed their window last year, in my opinion. Now, look at how good Winnipeg is now. Winnipeg was down last year, and that was a team that we knew had all this talent. We knew they'd be rocketing up, and here they are. Now they're a much better team than you, I think. If they get any saves, they're a much better team than the Minnesota Wild. So now you've got a number of these teams that you would say are clearly better Whereas last year, that was your time to be the best team in the West, and you weren't able to come through with any sort of deep playoff run. Now I think you have to start turning the team over to this prospect system that we've heard a lot about. That filling out your roster with players like Marcus Foligno, though now he's under contract through 2021, but filling it out with Matt Cullen and Chris Stewart and Daniel Winnick I mean, these veteran players who are providing almost nothing to you, it's mm-hmm. probably a better idea next year to move whatever you can uh, that's the that's older and under contract and otherwise try to just get opportunities for younger players and make that the identity of your team and, and see where you can go from there. Because I, I think all these players who they've brought in, I think Stewart occasionally scores a really nice goal but man, after the first couple games this season, he's been a ghost once again. Yep. Once again, worst player on the team and one of the worst in the league in terms of puck possession when he's on the ice. I mean, these are players that would be easily replaced by your younger guys and give some reason for your fan base to think that this team might be going in the right direction and maybe you can land on one of those players who will be key going forward because right now with this depth it's dragging down a lot of players who are pretty good on a team mm-hmm. on a team that should be pretty good but you know maybe you get those prospects starting to come up and give them a chance and if it doesn't work then oh well you're still in the same spot you are right now go through the, this roster right now and and mark off the guys who have become liabilities and there's way too many yep there's i'm not talking about average players i'm talking about guys who turn the puck over i'm talking about guys you don't trust i'm talking about guys the issue has become this 
you're so cap strapped that that you right now have filled out your roster basically, and you haven't done it with with quality, and and the only piece that you potentially have now coming back is Parisi, and there's no guarantee when he comes back and when he does how he plays. Right. That's the problem now. But I mean, to to your point, what's scary about this is. This is a league now where a lot of teams go nine deep and some go 12 deep. And I don't mean that they're all-star players, but I mean 12 forwards who are serviceable. And some are very good and some are stars. The Wild is a team now that goes six deeper right now, which is a surprise because I thought that they, they went nine deep. Right now they go basically six deep. Center position is vacant, basically. I mean, Stahl on, on his best day is still pretty good. Uh, Koivu's getting credit these days for, for his assists, but I don't think he scored in something like 15, 12 to 15 games, no goals. So if you go through this right now, your issue is this. On a nightly basis, how many guys on this roster give you a real chance to win? And and when you look at the makeup and talent of this league now, and as, as you said too, like the Jets teams that are improving, it's not enough. It's just not. And can can they change it? I don't know. But the thing to go back about Suter that drives me crazy is the only chance to change it is is for the coach to dictate things, mm-hmm. and that does and that doesn't mean that you do things that players like. That means that you allow the coach to do what he sees as the best thing, and if that inconveniences you or drives down your personal stats, too damn bad. Hey, by the way, for the uh, one year out plan, uh, buying out Tyler Ennis is obvious, but you know. His buyout cap hit would still be two point one million next year. It really speaks to how horrendous and disastrous of a trade that really was to Buffalo. I mean, this this is one of I mean this for the is, Wild, yeah. Buffalo this, got Buffalo got a great deal. But this is not as bad as sending Taylor Hall to New Jersey or trading Tyler Sagan to Dallas. But this is one of the worst trades that you could have conjured up where you get a player who brings you AHL-level play and costs $4.6 million on your cap, not just this year, but next year, too. And then it comes along with Marcus Foligno, who's a, an average player, who, who, yeah. you, who you have to sign for almost $3 million. I mean, Here's this pro- is just it's mind-blowing, this trade, and, and what the impact is. Here's the problem, in my opinion. The Vegas moves came with some risk, but I, but I still sort of liked them. The Dumba, the Dumba element intrigues me, okay? But when you work that deal, which is which is Halla is restricted, but he's going to go to you so that you can sign him, and we're going to trade you Tuck, who's a good player, and by the way, playing well. When you make that deal, it comes with some risk, but I, I get what you're doing. However, the key turnaround to that is the Scandella trade has to be done right. It has to be. It has to be a good trade. And instead of being a good trade, it's another trade with the Sabres. I don't understand it, but for some reason, the Wild loves to trade with Buffalo, and it turns out to be a trade that, as you said, right now looks terrible. And here's the problem. I don't see either one of those players changing their stripes. Do you? I mean, it's not like I say to myself, Ennis, you know what? There's something that – no, I think he is who he is. Foligno is who, who he is. And that doesn't make him terrible players. But for what you gave up, you had to make a good trade there if this was all going to work in tandem. And when the backside of that trade was bad, it's a big deal. You know, the one thing that is shown in this trade, other than 
Did you watch Tyler Ennis over the last two years? I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, did you watch well, Tyler Ennis him? play do, hockey? Do you think the that, stats people liked him? No. Like, who do you think liked no, him? No, the stats people Animal? did not. No way. So, so, so help me here. What what would have – I mean, you the day that trade was made, since you had seen both those guys a lot, you said it's a terrible trade. What allowed you to say that's a terrible trade? Well, the fact that Tyler Ennis couldn't come anywhere near the goal anymore, you know, the one you're supposed to score in. The fact that he's a extremely one-dimensional player is not defensive-minded at all. The fact that the league is caught up to his speed. The fact that the, the teams have found ways to shut him down way too easily. That he basically only provides on the power play at best and has never really recovered from very serious injuries. Uh, the concussions. I mean, all that put together. I mean, the, it's not like just one year was down. It was two years of in and out of the lineup, extremely poor play, and a $4.6 million cap hit. I mean, it's not like you, you know, it was a cap trade, but it's not like you even saved that much on the cap. And also just an extreme lack of foresight. I mean, if you're going to make a deal with trading away two good players, a veteran scorer, an offensive producer, and then a top four defenseman, that is assets that you have. And you're yep. gonna and you're gonna trade those away for kind of win now players, win now type role players. You're hoping to get a scorer back, and you're hoping to get a gritty guy back who can add a little point. I mean, did you not see where this team is going right now? That you're gonna have to replenish the young players. Well, these other semi stars like Coyle and like Granlund, well, they're still in their prime. You're gonna have to replenish the younger players or you're just not going to be able to fill out your roster that way. I mean, that you should have a vision for, okay, we can't exactly be in win right this second mode. We might have to trade these guys for, you know, somebody younger for some sort of prospects. Yeah, but don't forget, you're owned by a guy who said during uh, training camp, it's Stanley Cup or bust. So the, ex- the expectation is win a cup. If you're the GM, you're saying, okay, I'll try and do, do that. And he's paying Boudreaux, and the perception of Bruce c- uh, coming here was was win now immediately. As I've said for months now, I still feel the same way. This team is just stuck. They're absolutely stuck. They're stuck in cap hell. They're stuck between young and old. The only difference that, that I'll say now is watching this team on a game-by-game basis is the talent that I perceived is below what what I thought it was going to be. But that being said, you're very much stuck. And, I mean, how ridiculous is it that that in the midst of all this, at some point in the past few months, you signed Miko Koivu, who's 34, to a contract extension? Uh I I mean, everything is being done like you're contending. And you, you haven't got past the second round of the playoffs you know, last year you get bounced by Mike Yo in five games, and yet there's there's these blinders on at the X that we're still we're still in it to win, and if you can appreciate that, but the reality at some point has to slap you in the face, right? Which is Miko Koivu doesn't get a contract extension. We start to do this and that, but instead it's always like, well, let's just let's sign this guy to supplement things. Well, you're past that stage. That's why I keep going back to the feeling of it feels like this team is stuck and that there's no actual direction for where things should go. Well, I remember in the offseason we discussed you know, taking some of these players who were known commodities and potentially putting them out on the market to see if you could 
shake up the shape of this team because we know what it is. I would argue up and down till the end of the day that last year was different. You were much better by every statistical measure. You were a legit cup contender going into the playoffs. It just didn't happen. But that is not the case now. And to say that it's cup or bust, I mean, I guess that's a cute thing to say to get a headline. But, I mean, how could you look at this roster and say that? I mean, we went through it before the year. And the number of players that set career highs in shooting percentage, on-ice shooting percentage, that were bound to drift back a little bit. And, and that's exactly what's happened. Last year you didn't have injuries. This year you have had injuries. And, and it's almost like they didn't see this coming at all and added pieces that they thought were going to help them win now. And yes, it, exactly. It, it reminds me very much of when I covered the Buffalo Sabres and they got new owners and the owners went out and made a bunch of moves. They traded for Robin Regeer way past his prime. They gave a ton of money to Christian Erhoff, who was a good player, but kind of overrated and not worth the money. And they just thought, oh, okay, we're going to stack up this roster that has a lot of decent talent and a good goalie, right? Sound mm-hmm. familiar? Well, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. <laughs> it just doesn't work to, tr- to, be, to go out in free agency or, or make trades or whatever to try and fill out a roster that doesn't have that top-notch talent. And, you know, I don't know if I – they put themselves in such a tough position with Suter and Prezi contracts, which we would yes. all agree were the right move at the time. Yes. That they put themselves in such a tough position that the only way they were going to be truly competitive is if Parisi continued to play like it was 08-09, which was unlikely, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if through their system they found a real, legitimate, megastar player – and, it, you know, they've found some good players and no legitimate superstars to carry them when the roster isn't uh, that good overall. It's safe to say this. The window is closed on those two. The window, it doesn't mean Suter is still, and I'm not trying to say he's not a, a good player. He is. I don't necessarily like how he goes about things, but he's a good player. Parisi might be done. I don't know. But I think it's very safe to say this. The window to win the Stanley Cup with those two as as your key pieces is gone. And until that realization hits the X, guess what? They're going to continue to to basically uh, attempt to tread water. They're going to attempt to make things okay. And they're going to go through stretches where they win four or five games. But I'm sorry, there is no way that I watch this team now. There is zero chance, and I'm not, I'm not saying that they can't make the playoffs. They possibly can. But there is zero chance that I see them going into the playoffs and making an, an extended run. Could they win a series if the goaltending's good? Absolutely, they probably could. But when you look at this team's problems, and when you look at the fact that a lot of those problems are the same problems that they had with Mike Yo, and that they're problems that are going to continue to replicate themselves, and that your talent is actually decreasing, not increasing, you're just in trouble. It's that simple. You're in trouble, and, and you know, they went through a stretch of, what, three consecutive Dubnik games where he blanked teams, and that was, you thought to yourself, okay, that's impressive. But I, the last two games, you've come back and given up 13 goals, and in the last seven games, you've given up 30 goals. So which one is you? It's probably somewhere in between, and that's not indicative of a team that's going to get into the playoffs and make a deep run, I don't think. I feel like this is not a playoff team or really anywhere close in this division. I mean, the, the other teams aren't super far ahead of them, but with this level of inconsistency, and if they don't get great goaltending, I think all the teams ahead of them right now are better. They're just better teams. 
and uh, you know Colorado might be the only one that is not ready yet to win. But Dallas, I think Dallas is going to get better, not worse. And Nashville, you know, is going to be there at the end. You know, the Central's really Saint, good. You're yeah, right. St. Louis is a phenomenal team. Winnipeg just ran you out of your building, and they're getting saves now. I mean, this it looks to me like a supreme long shot. So I think now. Or maybe that's too much, but it looks like it's going to be really tough to get into Don't. the playoffs. So now I think you got to start shifting the mindset to, well, this isn't working. So now how do we look forward to the future? Don't forget this, though. This collection has always been an unlikable group for the most part. And they have the ability come February to get hot. Yeah, I mean, that's they've true. done it before. They could do it again. Now, now, the problem with that run is this. By the time the playoffs start, you're gassed. You're basically done. But that being said, I'd, I will never – I have seen this team do it far too many times. It drives me crazy, and it makes me dislike them more. But this team has made that run enough where you say to yourself, they're dead, and all of a sudden Dubnik stops everything, and some and guys start to score, and, and, you, and you somehow back your way in. But that's not the recipe for success because, as I said – you, the postseason starts then, and you're gassed and worn down. So the Central's good. The team that we're, we're watching now looks like a long shot. I'm not going to put it past them to make the playoffs, but I don't think that they've learned one lesson. I don't think they've learned a thing. And that being said, I think what you're going to see again is if they do make that run, they're going to take a deep breath in April and be out in five games or six games. It's the same thing that repeats itself, and that's best case, Collar. That's best case because there is a, a scenario, as you just brought up, that this team's just going to be done. They're going to fall apart, and and I don't know if people get fired at that point or what. Uh, but at some point in time, I think they need to take a look at this club and say, we need to we need to get it unstuck, and we need to choose a direction. I want to see this franchise choose a direction, and right now I feel like they're not doing that. Yeah, well, I think that their direction, they thought, was just to retool and get right back to the top of the Central, but maybe Chuck Fletcher didn't watch Tyler Ennis play hockey for the last four years. I mean, I, I re- I'm i sorry, because I, I Tyler Ennis is such a nice guy, and, and it, like I've you know, known him and watched him play for a long time, and I feel really bad about the hits that he took, the concussions. Uh, the Sabres website did a great piece on he and Jared Spurgeon being like close friends and how Spurgeon helped him through all that. And I, I think it's great that he's played and that he seems to be through that. But it's also an insane trade to get a guy who had been through that and hadn't scored and comes along with that type of cap hit. If it's a $1 million cap hit, I'd be like, well, it didn't work out. Like, remember sure. when um, Chicago signed Brad Richards? He had been bought out. He was brutal yep. in New York. And then, you know, they stuck him with Patrick Kane, and he was good enough to win the Stanley Cup and just kind of hold his own out there. And then he basically disappeared after that. That was like a $1 million deal. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is 4.6 over two years. It just that one, I feel bad because we bring it up every time, but I just can't get over that one and how much this is now hindering them. But I think over the next few weeks, over the next month, they've got to change their mindset to finding young players to either where they're going to come from in their own system, who's a part of the future, who's not a part of the future, and potentially pull something a little bigger that maybe a key piece that's been here a long time uh, and is pretty comfortable here gets moved out. Uh, maybe it's a maybe not just a message, but um, to make some sort of improvement from this weak locker room, weak overall team, 
uh, that you have. Maybe that's got to happen because status quo, as you said, is really not working and hasn't worked for a really long time. And I don't think I see what you're saying, and I, I agree. I don't know that the owner would let you do it. That's the problem. Yeah. Because there are pieces to this puzzle that you could try to trade at the deadline and, and, and start to accumulate uh, some pieces for your future, which I think would be a smart move. But, you know, there's such a perception here that we got all those fans in the building and they're here to see a product that's going to make the playoffs. It's it's almost like making the playoffs is good enough because that keeps the fans happy. And you look and say, okay, yeah, that's great, except you continue down that path and that pattern is there going to come a time where you're going to realistically look and say, if we ever want to really drastically improve, we, we've got to make some bold decisions. Yeah. And I and I feel like when, when you've got a guy who owns the team who says Stanley Cup or bust, what, what he's really saying is we've got to make the playoffs, which in hockey terms doesn't surprise me, but it's it's not going to help help you down the road. And eventually you are just going to go right off that cliff. It's a matter of time on that. Well, they're going to have to find some way to turn things around in the immediate sense, and uh, I don't know what that's going to be. Uh, I would still leave the door open for Bruce Boudreaux found, finding a way to do it and for Devin Dubnik getting hot and making this thing competitive. Uh, yep. But I think it's going to be a lot harder road to get to the top of the Central Division or into the playoffs than it was before. So, uh, well, Judd, maybe next time, depending on where the Wilds stand, we'll just talk about other teams <laughs> that we like. Well, watching. you know what? Actually, actually, for next time, I have a, a question for you to break down about the wild shift in OT philosophies that we saw um, on Friday against the abs. They changed their OT philosophy. And I want to get your thoughts on that next time. Okay. We will do that. And I will look for some fun hockey things to talk about. <laughs> cause, boy, seven to two. There's no fun in that. Although you stayed the whole time. So uh, I watched the entire thing. Oh yeah. you better good, do. good for you, Judd. Uh, thank you, Judd. And uh, Bye, th- thank you all for listening and wishing you uh, some better hockey upcoming here on uh, Matt and Judd's <laughs> hockey adventure. Thank you. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty Points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty Points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 2. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air, the way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed. The way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.